This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Um, it's been a while, so I wanted to uh, get something out to the to our listeners. Um, I was watching football last weekend, and something struck me. Now, if you listen to the show for any length of time, you know I'm a Steelers fan, uh, Michigan Wolverine football fan, and a uh, Tennessee Volunteer football fan. Um, right now, the Tennessee and Michigan are undefeated. They've had some close calls. Pittsburgh is a bad team. Um, and it got me thinking, what makes a team good? You know, if we look at it on paper, we see a certain level of talent. And every year, every sports team says, oh, we're, we're really feeling it this year. We're really connecting. We're gelling. And you know that's not true. It's, it's not even remotely possible that every team can be gelling and be good. So when you look at a team, what makes a team really good versus average versus horrible? And, and I would say at the NFL level, Every NFL team, regardless of their record in the NFL, is better than every other college team in the country, college football. So you get to thinking, what you know, in basketball, you probably need two, maybe three very good players. Two, you can maybe get it done, but of, of recent vintage, you probably couldn't. Um, with, you know, with other teams, with, with um, baseball, you're going to need a couple positions that they're really good players and then some nice role players. In a football team, it's 53-man roster. You need a lot of good players. So it made me think back to the, the Carmelone Lakers when they stacked the team. It was full of has-been talent, let's say. <laughs> they were older, trying to chase a ring. They couldn't get it done. The Washington Redskins, when they were the Redskins, brought in Bruce Smith and brought a bunch of other um, high-priced, over-the-hill talent, couldn't get it done. So you look at can't-miss prospects, which means nothing. I, I, I've said this to some other people recently. Um, potential, to me, is a promise on a maybe. Okay, It doesn't matter what you could do. It only matters what you actually do. So saying I have potential at something or there's a potential issue, you know, until until the atom was split in the 1940s, there was a potential for lots of energy, but it didn't actually happen. So, you know, potential is great, but you can't hang your hat on potential. You know, it's got to, you've got to have more than that. So when I look at these sports teams, I think about this and inevitably it gets me thinking about politics. What makes a particular politician or a particular administration better or worse, good at it or bad at being what they are? You know, and we're, we're living in the Joe Biden era, and um, I don't need to tell you everything you want to buy costs more. Uh, everything you want to do costs more. Um, service levels have gone <laughs> practically non-existent. Uh, I, I was at a restaurant last week, and uh, they took my order. Somebody else brought the food out, and then she brought the bill. Didn't check on me once. Didn't ask to refill any drinks. 
didn't bring um, my, my daughter needed some some dipping sauce for her uh, chicken fingers. Didn't bring it. Didn't bring it. Didn't bring it. Asked numerous people. They just didn't bring it. Um, and then they charged us extra for it that they never even brought. <laughs> so um, the the point is, it, we're living in an era right now where expectations are high, but follow through at best is mediocre. Um, and how do we get out of that? How do we get? Let's not go back to pre-COVID as a separate, distinct, different time. Things weren't awesome then, but by comparison, they look awesome, which is really telling on the situation we find ourselves in. Can we get back to a place where our government officials work for us, where we can trust that what they say is accurate? Now, you could go back any length of time and say, well, they've never been trustworthy. I don't care what period of time you're talking about, at least in the United States politics. And you're probably right. I would say you probably started losing the trust uh, under Nixon, obviously with Watergate. And I think the American people have never been super trusting of their government since. Even when they deserved it, they weren't getting the, the trust. And I would question whether or not they ever deserved it prior to that or since then. Um, now I'm a big fan of Ronald Reagan. But Ronald Reagan lied to the American people. The Iran-Contra affair, he lied to the American people. Flat out lied on TV. His administration lied. They lied. Now, was it for a good cause? That's up to you to debate that. You can figure out if that's something you think was a good cause. But um, they weren't truthful with the American public. Bill Clinton, lie, 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 lie. George H.W. George Bush, no new taxes. Then we got new taxes. Um I feel as though we're in a situation where we expect our politicians to lie. And I'm on record as saying, how do you know a politician's lying? Their lips are moving. I expect every politician to lie to my face. Every single time they talk to me, I expect that they're lying. So I don't have a lot of um, faith or hope or belief that they're ever, they ever have my interests at heart. Do they have the... But the question becomes, do they have the interests of the country at heart? See, if, if you're in um, a leadership role, there are oftentimes you have to make decisions, have to do things that you know are not going to be popular. See, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge believer in you do it because it's popular. I'm not the Bill Clinton polls run everything I do. That's not how I operate. You do it because it's the right thing to do. And there will be people who will not like that. There will be people who question that, and there will be people who fight you every step of the way to, to accomplish that. And even after it's shown to be correct, they will still disagree with you because they didn't come up with it and you did. That's all baked into the cake. You just have to accept that that's going to happen. But I'm not positive that our, our government sees themselves as servants of us. They see us as servants of them. You know, so when we look at inflation, okay, um, you haven't done anything. You're not going to do anything. Stop talking like you're going to. Gas prices being one of those things. Um, OPEC Plus just decided they're not. They're going to cut production, which is not a good thing. If you need cheaper fuel, um, it's not a good thing for Europe. It's not a good thing for the United States. But this is where we're at. Um, when you're being told that your president is 
competent to be president, and then he's asking for a dead congresswoman to come up. Is, is, is Jackie here? Is Jackie here? I, I don't I don't believe Corinne Jean-Pierre when she says he was top of mind because he's going to meet with the family later in the week. What? It doesn't make any sense. Does he know she's dead or not? Does, does she know that? Or does he know that? Or does he not? It's, it's very simple. Um, if, if Donald Trump had done all the things that Joe Biden has done to look senile, you guaranteed it would be a daily running in the media. You would hear it constantly. When are you going to vote the 25th Amendment? When, when, when are they going to get Donald Trump uh, out of the presidency? That's what you would be hearing, but you're not hearing that. I am a big believer in equal treatment, not equality, equal treatment. If, if it's wrong, it's wrong no matter who does it. If it's right, it's right no matter who does it. So when, when um, Donald Trump was telling Germany three, four years ago now that you're too dependent on Russian natural gas at the United Nations and they laughed at him, as he's giving that speech, well, guess what? He was right. Now, he might not have known why he was right, and it might have been written for him, but he was right. And you're not getting anybody hearing credit for that. It's, well, it's all, it's all Vladimir Putin. And it may be, but you, you hitched your wagon to a crazy man and then seemed shocked when he behaved in a crazy manner. Wow. Who, who could have seen that coming except everybody who's ever been dealt with Vladimir Putin, you know? So we keep hooking ourselves into um, these bad situations. I read another book um, from a former Navy SEAL, and he's talking about the last 20 years, politicians have made erroneous decisions left and right, and there's been no accountability for those decisions. None. They haven't lost elections. They haven't been... um, prosecuted. They haven't lost any money. Nothing bad has happened to the people who have made continually bad decisions. Both parties, doesn't matter which party, but these, these politicians continue to make poor decisions on your behalf and then tell you it's for your own good. Do they recognize that they work for us, not the other way around? You are elected. That doesn't make you special. It just means you were elected to represent us, representative democracy, republic. Why do we keep missing this? And why do we keep accepting, well, there's nothing that they can do? Now, I will be the first to tell you, the president doesn't have the power you presume that they do. So the president can't magically, although Joe Biden seems to continue to try to do this, he, the, the student debt, just going just gonna to forgive it. Well, somebody's got to pay for that. It's not, the banks aren't writing it off. The banks aren't saying, you know, we're not going to take that money. You're right. You're right, Mr. President. It's the right thing to do. No, they're just going to bill everybody. It's a form of a tax. And it's just going to keep going. At what point does our government say, this is the level? Now, I saw somebody... There's a, there's a bill in the House about um, investing for Congress people. And it, it's, it's basically, it's not going to change anything. It's actually going to make it even easier for them to have inside information, trade on it, and, and make lots of money. Um, and Nancy Pelosi is a perfect example of who's increased her wealth. This is the thing you have to remember. Every time these people go into a government service and they start at 
I think it's one hundred and seventy-four thousand uh, dollars is what Congress makes per year, and they they leave like Liz Cheney. They leave a couple years later, multimillionaires. How did you do that? I I if I got paid that amount, I still couldn't be that in a short period of time. So you're obviously trading on things that you know and making a making a huge profit. So somebody somebody suggested here's how we do this. All of your investments, you get 7% growth. Everything beyond that gets taxed at 100%. 100%. You don't get anything more than 7% because that's what the average consumer uh, United States can expect from uh, investments. So if you're getting more than that, then you're obviously cheating the system and doing something you shouldn't be doing. But these are our elected officials who can't seem to live within any sort of limits. We're expected to live within limits. You and I... Every day, I get a paycheck every two weeks. My wife gets a paycheck twice a month. That is it. I don't get a bonus. I don't get extra. I don't get more money at the end of the year. Oh, got more money. No, that's it. We're all on a fixed income. And right now with inflation, your cost of whatever you got as an increase this year, if you got one, does not keep you at at, uh, the standard of which you were a year ago. So when they say a cost of living increase, a COLA, cost of living adjustment. You didn't get a COLA. They, they can call it a COLA, but you didn't get it because that's that's usually geared around 3% for inflation. That's the normal. And, and again, why do we accept that everything has to cost more? Have we ever thought about that? Adjusted for inflation. This is this amount at this time in history and adjusted for inflation, it's this. Now, why is that? I'm not an economist, so I'm not going to even try to break that down. Things cost more because you pay people more. Things cost more because technology requires investment. But everything across the board, on average, is 3% on a normal year. And we're right now tracking close to 9 So I don't think you got a 9% raise, unless you changed jobs and took another job that at least was a 9% increase of what you were before. But in existing position, you didn't get a 9% raise. Nobody did. Um, no, not the average person. I'm not saying nobody did, but they're, they're, the average person did not. So that begs the question, why do we keep trying to live outside of our means? Is it because we're told we should? Is it told, you know, here's the, here's the monthly payment plan, that kind of thing? It, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for us. It doesn't work for our government, but we keep doing it. And that accountability thing comes back around for me. We make bad decisions in our government, and the people that pay the price are you and me. The government official keeps their job. I mean, they may get uh, eventually retire and or uh, get voted out, but it's very rare unless they choose to step aside. But you and I aren't guaranteed anything. Tomorrow, your job could be gone. And that's what's coming. That's the, that's the recession they keep talking about, tightening of interest rates. When a company has to worry about borrowing money, they start cutting. They start cutting people. They start cutting programs. They start cutting supplies. They start cutting because they don't have the money to do those things. When money is easy to get, they expand. They grow. When money is hard to get, they cut back. That That's just simple economics. Again, not an economist, but that's a simple economic explanation. We are in 
the early stages, we're in a recession. Contrary to what the White House will have you believe, we're in a recession. And it doesn't look like it's getting better. It's not getting. It's not going down. Your prices are not changing. Uh, now, I'm, I'm not getting into the fear mongering. I don't know if this is going to be a great depression, um, or if it's what it's going to turn into, or what it might be. You can only know that in hindsight. You can't know that in advance. But I am concerned that the American people are going into these midterm elections, um, not understanding exactly what they're voting for. Because what you hear is, we need Democrats to say, we need more of those people to help me get our plans through. Well, I would say the plans you put in over the last two years haven't been super helpful. They've actually been detrimental to the country. Um, Now, should you vote Republican? Uh, Again, I'm on record as saying I think the Republicans are good in the the opposition party, I'm not totally convinced that they're awesome in control. Um, they talk a lot. You know, Tony and I talked about this many times, reconciliation. You know, get rid of Obamacare through reconciliation. Anytime the Republicans, I think it was 51 times, had put forth a bill in the House to get rid of Obamacare that was never going to pass because it was never going to get through the Senate and into the, into the president under Obama. But as soon as they got power, when Trump took office, couldn't get it done. Couldn't, could not get rid of Obamacare. You know, couldn't figure out reconciliation, couldn't make it work. Suddenly we get trillions of dollars in spending through reconciliation to the Democrats. Somehow they're able to reconcile this and get multiple chances at this and they've got something in there either we don't understand the rules on the republican side i say we i'm not a republican but the republicans don't understand the rules or they don't know how to use them and they just keep keep not recognizing the issue or the republicans feel like charlie brown to me and the democrats feel like lucy here's the football kick it and every time you go to kick it it gets pulled away and every time you expect they're going to play fair whether it's the um, Inflation Reduction Act, which did not reduce inflation. This is where that, that uh, potential comes for Joe Manchin. There's a potential you'll get what you want if you agree to this bill, but it's not going to happen because it's a promise on a maybe. So you're not going to get it, but I'm going to tell you you're going to get it, but you're not going to get it. And he didn't get it. So he voted for something he said he didn't agree with to get what he wanted, but he didn't actually get what he wanted. He just got a promise of a maybe that didn't happen. We need to hold our elected officials accountable. So I'm in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, Dr. Oz is running against John Fetterman. John Fetterman is the lieutenant governor of the state of Pennsylvania. Dr. Oz is unelected um, TV personality and a physician. I'm not in love with Dr. Oz, but I'm, I'm not in thrall of John Fetterman. I think John Fetterman says a lot of things when, when he can speak correctly, but they don't mean anything and, and they're all lies. So I think this state is a toss up right now for Senate to take over Pat Toomey's seat, who's Republican retiring. I'm not sure that the state of Pennsylvania sees the detriment that John Fetterman is. John Fetterman, at the height of his powers, is more convincing than Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz seems, does not understand apparently how to 
campaign and doesn't understand what he's doing. He's trying to be a TV personality chasing ratings. It's it's a different animal. John Fetterman knows how to get down in the, the dirt and, and sling the mud, but he had a stroke. He had a stroke in May. He has not recovered. He may never recover. And you want to send this man to Congress. Now, it shouldn't surprise me because 81 million people voted for Joe Biden and he's obviously not sharp mentally. By, by any stretch of any evaluation, Joe Biden is not all there. So do you elect people you think can do the job or do you elect based on the letter next to their name? And I think that's where the problem comes in. We continue to elect based on their designation, their party affiliation, not on their qualifications. Now, I'm going to be honest, I have yet to meet a, a Democrat that I felt comfortable voting for. But I hold out hope that there's someone out there who isn't crazy and, and I could actually vote for it. But I have not seen that. But I hold my nose on some of the Republicans that I'm presented with as well. We continue to vote for people or be presented with candidates that I don't like, that, don't, that are not good for this country, for this state, for this area. They're not good candidates. And we keep getting those people. Now, maybe it's because they're the ones who want the job and the people who would do a better job just don't want to do it. Uh, don't want to go through the hassle, don't want to go through the mud. I, I don't know. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge believer, and this is the early part of the country, uh, founding in the country. I don't want somebody who seeks the office. I want somebody who reluctantly accepts the office. And that's not what we have today. Our politicians actively seek the office. And their narcissism tells, tells them that they're the only ones that can make a difference in the right way. Now, again, narcissistic to believe that you are irreplaceable in, in the facet of government. Um, I, I'm here to tell everyone listening, including myself, I am replaceable. We are all replaceable. Maybe not to our families, but to the jobs we do, to the work we do, yes, we're all replaceable. Because at some point, we're going to have to be replaced. We're going to leave a job. We're going to, we're going to die. Um, at some point, those things are going to happen. And we, there needs to be somebody who can step in and do the job or, or do it better. I mean, the presumption is they might do worse, but they could also do a better job. We are not perfect. We are not excellent at everything we try, but we are replaceable. So when I hear a politician tell me that I need to elect them, because they're the only ones that can make a difference. And I get the flyers. And it, I, I, I don't like election season simply because it's lies all the way down. It's just lie after lie after lie. And I get tired of the lies from both sides, uh, demonizing the other party. Um, I was in sales for a long time. And part of sales, there's two options when you're trying to sell something. You can... Um, you can show why your product is better, your service or product is better, or you can demonize the other product, your competitor. Um, some people take the easy shot and try to say how awful something or someone else is, but they never show you why they're better. Why are you better? Not comparing yourself to somebody else. Tell me what, what plan you have, what, what features you offer, what benefits come from you or your product. We don't get that in, in our elections. We only get how the other guy's awful, you know? And I have a plan. 
Saying the words, I have a plan, is not a plan. It's just the words, I have a plan. And if your plan is to copy somebody else's plan, then you don't have a plan. You have somebody else's plan. Now, that may be fine because that may be the right plan. But you can go to somebody's website. You can go to their policy statements. They don't have plans. They've got obscure links to things that you wouldn't even give your children. And yet, we're supposed to believe you've got a plan because I said I had a plan. Joe Biden had a plan to destroy COVID and not the economy. Objectively, has that happened? COVID still exists and our economy's in the toilet. So has he lived up to, I've got a plan? No. Now he'll tell you the plan changed because circumstances changed and Donald Trump left me with all this, whatever. But you had a plan. That's what we're told. You told us, I have a plan. So either you have a plan or you don't. My guess is you don't. Okay. But I didn't expect you to have a plan. I didn't expect you to do the impossible and, and work on a worldwide pandemic and not have repercussions from that. I expect to hold my politicians accountable. This is my pledge. <clears throat> if you break your promises, which they almost always do, I will not vote for you again. I'll, I'll abstain on that. If, that's, if you're the only person on the ballot, I will not vote for you. I don't care what party you're in. I will not vote for you. And I ask to, for you to examine each and every one of the candidates you're uh, on your ballot. What are you going to vote for? Who are you going to vote for? And are you going to vote for them anyway? Are you going to hold your nose and vote? I don't want Donald Trump to run in 2024. I didn't want him to run in 2016. I didn't want to run in 2020, but he was the candidate because he was a sitting president. I want somebody else. Now, I don't know who that's going to be. Might be Ron DeSantis, might be somebody else. I don't know. But I don't want Donald Trump. Too much baggage, too, much, too many issues. I want somebody else. And we'll have to wait and see if there is a somebody else or if they all back down. But I think Donald Trump is a hard, hard choice for election uh, in 2024 because he did a lot of things wrong. He continues to do a lot of things wrong. But maybe that's the nature of politicians. We're judging them as we would like them to be versus what they actually are. So maybe that's our fault too. We don't, we don't judge them the way they should be judged, instead judging them the way we wish they could be. Maybe it's uh, rose-tinted glasses sometimes. So I, I just want, wanted to bring that out. What makes a good team? A good team has good people on it, but it has people who execute the plan and the agreed-upon plan. And I don't think we have that. The Steelers don't have that right now, and I don't think our government has it right now. There's too much infighting between them for political gain. Um, Hurricane Ian in Florida, perfect example. And, and this is making the rounds right now, but whoever the Republican is that's someone connected, that's the person you blame. You know, and the example being in um, Hurricane Katrina, it went hit New Orleans, Democratic mayor, Democratic governor, Republican president. Oh, George Bush's fault. You know, uh, Ian hits Florida. You know, it's a Republican governor and a Democratic president. Oh, must be the governor's fault. Wherever the Republican is, that's the person at fault for natural disasters. It's nobody else. It's only the Republican. If there's multiple Republicans, then it's multiple Republicans that are at fault. Um, 
you know, that's, that can't be the case. Either the federal government's responsible or they're not, or the state's government's responsible or they're not. You can't flip-flop. It's got to be, again, equal uh, accountability, and there doesn't seem to be. So think about that as the election approaches um, November 8th. Think about what that means and what you, how you're going to vote. And are you going to get the candidates you want? Uh, are you going to get the policies they want? Or are you going to get some of the same? And unfortunately, I think we're going to get some of the same, um, regardless of who, who wins those elections, sadly. So that's all i got for now. If you've got any questions, please reach out. Um, thank you for your time, and I really appreciate it. Have a good night. Bye-bye. production.